where nobody knows your name, is not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. Ooh, and James, I like this episode. Ooh, okay. A bar is born. It's a parody title. A star is born. It wasn't for the parody title. I've not seen a star is born. I've heard they're all the same, though. <laughs> You've heard all versions all the same. Yeah, and I haven't seen any of them. Have you seen any of them? No, but one of them was Chris Christopherson in, and uh, I'm impartial to a bit of Chris Christopherson. I appreciate the pun, though. A bar is born. This is season eight, episode three. It aired on the 12th of October, 1989, and was written by Fifa Sutton and directed by James Burroughs. What an episode, James. I really like this one. It's a good one. The Sam-Robin rivalry actually take the lead in this episode, because in the previous two, they didn't really interact directly, did they? Mm, well, it, it feels like it's potentially Cheers' first major villain, I'd say. And we'll get onto it more, but this episode's got me excited for the rest of season eight. I'm intrigued to hear what you say, because you certainly had villainous characters or antagonistic characters, one of the earliest ones being Sumner Sloan, for example. But he seems like he's going to be here for a while. I mean, he's been in three for three of this season so far, in terms of episodes. Three for three, yeah. And uh, he seems to be having a lot of influence. And I don't know, I just got the vibe that he's here to be a big bad for a while. Big English bad. I tell you what, James, before we talk about uh, Robin's villainous antics in this episode, should we talk about the cold open? Because uh, Dr. Crane is dropping by. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's about it's about your old pregnancy cravings. And I, I really like this cold open. I like aspects of it. Shouldn't be surprised by the kind of either naivety or indifference that most of the guys have to Lilith. <laughs> Well, what happens is Frazier comes into the bar unusually late and Woody kind of asks him, oh, why, what brings you here so late? And he says uh, Lilith's had craving, so he's been across town getting her what she's desiring or craving. Cliff and Norm have a bit of back and forth about hormones and how they take over uh, the entire body for that period of time with strange cravings and antics. But then uh, Frazier starts to talk about all of the cravings she's had and then uh, sounds pretty nice, James. I mean, yeah, he talks about the cravings and they're not weird. Sometimes you hear stories of pregnant women being like, I had the weirdest cravings. I needed to have mackerel and caramel. I don't know why. Lilith's cravings is just kind of like, no, I, I want a specific pizza. Yeah, and it sounded like a good pizza. It feels yeah. like it was just a hunger passed off as a craving, if I'm honest. Maybe if I pretend I want this specific food, Vasia will have to get it for me. <laughs> well, after hearing about this uh, lovely pizza, Norm and Cliff uh, then get a bit, a bit of a craving themselves. But littling the cravings of a pregnant woman then feel the need to go across town to get a, a deep dish pizza. Sympathy cravings. What's your go-to pizza, James? Oh, this is an interesting question. It depends on the establishment. That's offering it, to be honest, you know. Where would you get your pizza from? There's a local one down the road, and they do a quite nice one with olives and peppers and, and ham and things, and that's quite nice. But if you're talking more the deep dish, I go quite decadent with when it comes to a deep dish. I'm like, so if you're going deep dish, get it, yeah, stuffed crust as well, put all the meats on there. Don't shallow it. No, no one wants a shallow dish. Well, deep dish margarita. No, come on. <laughs> I, I do like a seafood pizza. I don't find them often. 
because where we live is the middle of the country. But, you know, if you're going to somewhere in the Mediterranean, I'd quite often go for a seafood pizza. But yeah, where we live, uh, not that common, are they? But if I ever see it on a menu, I'm always tempted. So which means I might have to pop off and get a, get a pizza. Are you partial to a, to a seafood pasta then? I'm very partial to a seafood <laughs> pasta, yeah. Before we get too hungry, James, maybe we should go into the main episode because we will uh, go through a whole Italian menu, I, I reckon. I, I think when this is finished, I'll order a pizza straight away. <laughs> Do you know what? We wouldn't. I, I say we'd go through the menu. We'd just go, ah, yeah, that sounds really good. Ah, oh, yeah. And just wouldn't, wouldn't, no conversation, just a back and forth. I'll tell you what, slightly before trivia, I'll probably uh, <laughs> go on the app and order a pizza. So there, when we finish recording. Well, that brings us into the main part of this episode, and uh, there's a hot debate in the bar. I say debate, people are just talking uh, about Rebecca and Robin's relationship, really, and how they haven't uh, yet consummated their relationship, which seems to be the hot topic of the bar. Yeah, because they've got nothing better to talk about. Rebecca comes into the bar quite happy. She's she's still dressed up in her sort of... Uh, who did we say she was like last time? Audrey Hepburn? Yeah. She's still got a vibe of that. She's got some new jewellery or a little timepiece from Robin. <laughs> is this is this where she says my favourite line? Yeah, when it, as soon as I heard her say that, I went, well, James has got a solid three-minute riff on this. <laughs> I, I don't have a three-minute. I just... Uh, oh, it's fantastic. Does anyone know what time? <laughs> Bit of backstory. I once accosted John. And, and just shouted those two words at him uh, and then ran away. Basically, he was late for lunch and uh, <laughs> he, he was coming out of the elevator. I was going to shout, what time do you... Well, it's a PG podcast, but basically, what time do you call this? I shouted, what time? And then my boss appeared in my uh, peripheral vision. <laughs> so I uh, did a double take and then ran away. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> still a strong memory that I have And uh, as soon as I heard her say this I knew you were going to have a bit of a riff Does anybody know what time it is? Why ever do you ask? <laughs> well, just because my rich new sweetheart Robin Colcord sent me this beautiful Very expensive gold watch from Zurich And I can't tell what time it is <laughs> Yeah, it says, this could feed my family for a year. Uh, don't be childish. If anybody needs me, I'll be skipping around in my office. Say, uh, when's your uh, rich boyfriend coming back? In about a week. Oh, good, good. That'll give you time to make up uh, excuses not to go to bed. I want to go to bed with him. I'm just waiting for the right time. Oh, well, maybe that's why you gave me the watch. <laughs> Rebecca, there is nothing wrong with making a guy wait. It piques their interest. I once made a guy wait until we were both undressed. And how do you know that I haven't been to bed with Robin? Did Sam tell you that? No! I'm a woman. A woman knows. You know, I must say I'm with Carla on this one. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with two people getting to know each other before they have a physical relationship. And how did you know? Well, I'm a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist knows. <laughs> What are you waiting for, Becky? Yeah, hit the sheets already, kid. <laughs> Sam. Pool players, no. 
pretty much it's the talk of the town. So much so that Woody arrives late to work because someone in a shop or something found out that his boss is going out with Robin and asks him about it. Uh, his lunch was taking longer because his waitress was asking him why his boss hadn't slept with Robin Colcord yet. <laughs> Which gives us a bit of an idea of the fame and prestige that Robin Colcord has. And that sort of sets up Rebecca's story in this episode because she's decided uh, essentially tonight's going to be the night. There's nothing really to add to that. I thought I'd have more to say, but no, that's basically it. Because, you know, she it's been a while for Rebecca and she's nervous, understandably. It's not a huge part of this episode. It's very much a sort of B plot, if that, I guess. Because the main plot is taken up by Sam, who I have to say, I really enjoyed his arc in this episode and I wished it went on longer. And I'll tell you why later on. Well, okay. Should we start with the beginning of his arc, which is him sort of realizing maybe he needs to start up his own future and start looking to the future again. Yeah. And it begins with the rest of the bar almost putting him down a little bit and Frasier trying to give him a pep talk, but ultimately kind of comes off a little bit like a backwards compliment. Yeah, I'm still saying it'd be nice to have cold Cord's money, wouldn't it? Uh, so he's got bucks. I mean, what's he do with it? All he does is hustle. Me? I enjoy my life. I live in my way on my own terms. There I'm you very go, happy. Sammy. There you go. Yeah. Well, you should be, Sam, you know. You may not be wealthy and powerful, but those who really know you respect you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. True, Sam. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you very much. Well, how could we not? You know, you've, you've been through adversities that would have crushed other lesser men. Well, I don't know. No, no, really. When I think of the sorry state your life's in now. <laughs> The reason that they start talking about the, the adversity and the troubles he's faced is because basically he's saying that the reason they, that Rebecca and Robin haven't slept together is because there's a little voice in the back of her head saying, uh, wouldn't you rather drive a Sammy? At this point, one of the people at the bar is so disgusted, he shakes his head and walks <laughs> off. <laughs> I saw that as well. <laughs> no, no, Sam, no. I'm going to a different bar. Maybe I'm not as young as I used to be and... Maybe I did blow my life savings, and maybe this job doesn't pay that much. And maybe I don't have a family or any future to look forward to. <laughs> but at least... What, Sam? At least I'm happy. <laughs> and that's why we admire you. You know, I think I speak for everyone in the bar here when I say that if there'd been any of us, we would've blown our brains out years ago. <laughs> That's very sweet of you guys. <laughs> As they start to compare Sam and Robin a bit more, I, I quite liked Frazier's uh, intent, at least, which yeah. he says, you may not be wealthy and powerful, but those who really know you respect you. Uh, and that Sam is incredibly wealthful in, in respect and friendship and admiration from his peers, if that makes sense. And uh, then Rebecca goes, don't forget to fill up the pretzels. And Sam hates the pretzels. There's no time for pretzels. Yeah, he takes out on the pretzels, but in reality, it's a sort of built up pent anger about he's realized he's blown his life savings. He doesn't have family. He, he says he doesn't have a future to look forward to. He also says that he's not as young as he was. So it's it's a lot of things building up here. And I think that idea of how he once lost the bar and that was his future. That was his investment. That was his identity in a lot of ways. Yeah. And he realizes maybe that's what he wants to recapture in this episode. Yeah. Well, Frasier suggests buying a bar and that Frasier would invest in it. And then he goes, actually, no, um, Lilith would <laughs> Lilith would chase me with a cleaver. Nevertheless, Sam gets the ambition that he's going to start from point one again. You know, he's going to rebuild a bar. He's made cheers 
and now he's going to start again with the ambition to make his own place again. Sam, spurred on by people uh, saying he should invest, finds a, a property down by the waterfront, I think it is, puts in a deposit. It's a disgusting place with... <laughs> with- <laughs> <laughs> with maggots. <laughs> well, I tell you what I did like about this, James, was uh, yeah, it's run down. It's a fixer upper, as they'd say. Yes. But what I quite liked about this, and what got me quite excited about this episode, was Sam didn't go into it without a plan, and he saw past the grime and the maggots. He knew that he would, yeah, as you say, have to fix it up, have to renovate it, and he was fine with that. But even beyond that, he kind of was like, look at those windows. They don't make them like that anymore. It's a original stained glass. Yep. Underneath this cheap flooring, there's the original oak floorboards. Yeah, it's uh, got marble bar top. Yeah, take a look at this marble bar top. And he saw value that wasn't seen there before. And this is when I got really excited about the prospect of this being a sort of arc of the series. Yep. Where I thought, ah, oh, Sam's going to launch his own bar. We'll get Norm coming in to decorate. We'd get Ooh. Carla coming in, getting the local community around it with their street mm. savviness. And I was really excited about that. I thought there was a lot of promise in this idea of Sam starting again and maybe forming a little bit of a rivalry with Cheers and Rebecca. Oh. Are you, are you a big fan of The Office, US? I've not seen enough of it to claim myself a big fan. I like what I've seen. There's this great arc in it with Steve Carell when he's still there and he gets fired from the company. Oh, yeah. And he sets up the Michael Scott Paper Company. And there's this lovely arc of maybe a decent amount of episodes where he sets up this company that rivals their business. He buys essentially a broom closet office downstairs in the same building. (laughs) He's poaching all their clients. He runs incredibly low prices at a deficit. He essentially will go out of business within a week. But the main company, Dunder Mifflin, get incredibly nervous because he's poaching all their clients. They're losing money to the point where they buy his company off him. So he makes loads of money off it, but he also <laughs> negotiates his old job back as well at the same time. Well played. And I would have liked a similar thing with this of like Sam starting off this little bar and making a success of it. But I would have liked to see this rivalry of Sam sort of going at it alone against corporate America that have Ooh. just bought cheers. I think there would have been something really special in that and really entertaining to see that. But I got really excited by this, just like, just as Sam was as well, when he was saying like the marble tops, mm. Cliff and Norma fighting over who gets the first pick of the stools. I was really excited about this prospect, as is Sam to the point that the next day he's got a little model of Sam's place to show off to everyone in the bar. And not only that, he's also handing in his notice to Rebecca. Yeah. Which I think is a really nice point in this episode. He seems actually quite humble about it, doesn't he? He's not like, I'm not going to take any of your corporate nonsense. He's just like, this is something I'm going to do. I'm I'm sorry. You know, I'm leaving. Oh, boy, boy, this is a moment I've been dreading here. Now I'm just going to come out and say this. Rebecca, I'm giving two weeks notice. I'm leaving Cheers to open up my own place. Please don't uh, say anything. Just... Read that now. Dear Rebecca, it's so hard to say goodbye. We've been through a lot of ups and downs, but I've always considered you more than a boss. You're really a special friend. Love, Sam. P.S. Be at my apartment in two hours, naked and ready. (laughs) 
this ambition in Sam is something which I think Rebecca would probably quite like and probably hasn't seen to date. And I think even the PS was was a kind of defense mechanism. <laughs> it's not a Sam Malone resignation without her. It's, it's that, but also it's something which a lot of men do, not because of out of sleaziness, but men don't really talk about their feelings when they do. They use humour to diffuse uh, mm. the seriousness of, of the situation. Yeah, and as well as this resignation, uh, Sam also brings in a little model of uh, Sam's place. His new bar he's going to open up because he, he seems really highly invested in this sort of dream that he's got. So much so that when he's showing them all, uh, none other than Robin Colcord sees Sam's passion and wants to talk to him about his idea. Yeah, I liked Sam's little uh, diorama there. I don't think he was intending to show it to Robin, not out of any form of secrecy, but just because they, they're not really friends. Yeah, Sam doesn't seem opposed to tell no. him about it, but he just didn't realise he was going to be there. It's not like a prepared pitch or yeah. anything. He seems quite excited by the fact that Robin takes interest yeah. in it. He's eager to show him, asked to use the office to sort of pitch it to him. Uh, and Rebecca, and if she says no, Robin asks her and she says yes. But after this exchange, we do get to see Sam and Robin's pitch in there, the office. And Sam does a good job at it. He, he lays out his plan, his ambition, yeah. but Robin tells him to think bigger. Yeah, I thought this was a great exchange. Sam, do you want my um, honest opinion? Oh, yeah, you bet. This could work. Yes! <laughs> By work, I mean, if you pour every dime you've got into the place, struggle, scrimp and save, and somehow hang on through the lean years, you might begin to show a tiny profit. After that, living month by month, year after year, praying there's no recession, you might actually scrape a living. A dismal, ulcerous living out of it. Okay, okay. So, um, what's the downside? <laughs> so don't shortchange yourself. Do you want just any bar, or do you want the best bar? Look here, I've always found that the secret of success is having a dream and then having the courage to run after it. Reach for the stars, Sam. Astonish me. Astonish yourself. Yeah, all right. Mm -hmm. no, I get this, I get, all right. You're, you're saying that I, sh uh, I shouldn't settle for this crummy little place. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I should uh, buy the whole block. Keep talking. Right, I, and I could, uh, I could tear it all down and, and, and build a high-rise with a great river view. That's one. And, and apartments and condos and 24-hour donut shops and, 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 and a real big tall building with Sam's place on the top and the, it'll be the best damn bar on the East Coast. Beautiful, Sam. Can you do it? Yes, I can. No, you can't. No, I can't. No, you can't. <laughs> Come down to earth, for God's sake. <laughs> Sam, what? What you've got to ask yourself is, what do I really want? Well, I don't know what I, uh, what I really, uh, I, yeah, well, I'll tell you what I want. I want my, my beat up old desk back. I want my sports stuff back on the walls. I want to get rid of those creepy plants out there and that stupid world map of wherever the hell it is. <laughs> I want cheers. Then do it. Oh God, man, I would I'd love to get Cheers back, but I, I don't even think I can get out of this, this crummy little deal here. You see, I'd be happy to make some phone calls for you. I know quite a few people around town. That's my uh, private number. Well, God, this is great, thank you. Uh, I don't know if I can ever repay you here. Let's just say you owe me a favor. All right, <laughs> yeah. All right, one favor, anytime. Yeah, thanks very much. 
Hey, uh, guys, hey, listen to this. I'm not gonna buy that stupid crummy bar. I'm gonna buy this stupid crummy bar. He's not really interested in what Sam's developing as a business idea. He's just trying to get Sam to admit what matters to Sam. You know, not outside of business, but more to him as, as a person. And that's cheers. Sam talks about the sort of high-rise buildings with uh, 24-hour donut shops. And on the top of uh, all of these buildings, his bar will be Sam's place right at the top. He shows his ambition and Robin says, ah, oh, that's beautiful, Sam. Can you do it? Sam says, yes, I can. He says, no, you can't. <laughs> uh, and then he brings Sam right back down to earth. He makes Sam feel like he's settling and then brings him right back down after he shows his ambition and then reframes that Sam actually just wants to buy cheers again. Sam says, I've already put a deposit down. I'm sort of locked into mm. this place. And Robin says that he can sort Sam's lease out and he doesn't need to worry about it and that he'll get his deposit back. But he says that Sam will owe him a favour. That's a dangerous sign. Despite me really liking the idea of Sam starting his own place, is it makes Sam want to buy cheers back and it fuels his eagerness to do that. He's starting to work overtime to try and save up money to do so. And he's got an ambition again, which I think is good. He doesn't uh, seem as lost as he was before. And uh, Woody does say that this is going to take forever. Kind of thing. They go, no, no, we believe in you, Sam. We believe you can earn the money back to buy cheers. I just don't know if I'll uh, be here when you do. Mr. Colker, I just want to thank you for uh, getting me out of that other deal so fast. Well, uh, you'd say you owe me one, eh? Yeah, right, right. Actually, I had a thought about that other idea we had, and I decided that might be fun too. Great, what idea was that? Well, you remember the high rise with the river view. It turns out it's adjacent to the property that I'm developing, and so I decided to buy the whole block and give it a go, eh? But you, you said that was impossible. No, I said it was impossible for you. For me, it was two phone calls and a handshake. <laughs> but that was that was my idea. Was it? So hard to recall. The ideas were flying so fast and furious in there. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Now, if I bought that that property, couldn't I have sold it to you for a profit? Maybe you wouldn't take advantage of a friend, would you? You you talked me out of that place just so you could get it yourself. I, I didn't talk you out of anything. I talked you into following your heart. You're a man with a dream, Sam. I envy you. But if it makes you feel any better, I'm willing to come to an arrangement. Yeah? Yes, uh, let's see. Yes, you no longer owe me a favour. Idea thief! How dare you? Yeah, well, Robin isn't too sympathetic and he kind of says, well, you were never going to do it. You don't have the money to. It's, it's only two phone calls for me to do it and I'm, I can do it. He palms Sam off quite a bit. Kind of puts some salt on the wounds. How'd you like your wounds, Sam? Salty? Here, here you go. This, this salt is free. Basically how the episode ends. Well, there's a final little bit which calls back Rebecca's story all the way through this. Oh, Rebecca, tonight's the big night, huh? <laughs> it's not going to happen. I can feel it. It's not going to happen. I know that I'm going to chicken out again. Oh, Robin's going to be so disappointed. No, no, he won't. He's already done it to me today. <laughs> Robin is seen to be a bit of a villain this series. I think he's going to stick around as one because yeah, I don't think he's going to give up easy and I think he's going to be quite a looming presence. I think that's uh, my pizza arriving. Right on time, I'd say. You've been craving that whole episode. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. First question is, uh, what is on this pizza? 
It's the same one that Lilith had. Lilith's 4am pregnancy pizza. Uh, four cheeses, James. Sun-dried tomatoes, prosciutto, and anchovies. Yeah, you know, that's right, boy. Sounds delicious. Frasier does mention something that Lilith has been eating. Doesn't sound as appetizing, but what was it? I've forgotten. I just concentrated on, on the delicious thing. Bowls of butter and fistfuls of flour. I took it literally when he said it. I've got a question here. Woody, in talking about Sam's fame, said that the last time you saw his name was in a crossword puzzle. The clue was former Red Sox player 15 letters, which of course is not Sam Malone. Sam Malone is not 15 letters. Who is the answer? I can tell you, James. I would have lost this crossword. Carl Yastrzemski. Well, with that, I think it's the last call. What should we be having? Well, I mean, the pizzas is a good one. Got to be the pizza, hasn't it? I, I, I mean, it's arrived here fresh, so how could we not, James? Were Sam's Place special pizza, perhaps? What, what would it be on that? Dreams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think it would have had uh, salami or bologna, maybe. Stick some peppers on there, maybe some mushrooms. Olives, I think Sam likes olives. Oh, it sounds like a good pizza, James. You call it the Sam's Place pizza. The Maloney Baloney. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to put the order in now and wait because uh, we've only just received the last pizza, Jim. So we're going to raise a slice to uh, Sam's new dream of reowning cheers, I guess. Yes. Raise a, a slice in anger towards Robin Colcourt because I think he's shown a bit of his true colours this episode. He has. Let's not see too many of them colours, Robin. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a cheers podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.